And we're back. We're back again. So soon. So we have a lot of paper today. So I'm sorry about any rustling. But yeah, there's a lot has happened. It's paper S A S M R. This is what you want us for. Yeah. Well, welcome to so, my paper ASMR podcast. Welcome to the political ASMR podcast. Today we're going to be sipping tea and crustling paper. No, I would never do that to you. Don't don't worry. Yes, today we're going to be talking about things um, hopefully ranging from trans rights and the Tories' recent policy decision about them to the Liberal Democrat leadership election, um, which I wanted to talk about because I think we need some comedy in these depressing times. Uh, and to start us off with some comedy, recent poll, the Liberal Democrats are polling just 5%, which would be their worst result in a general election since 1955. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss, ASMR. So, as always, I suppose we could talk about, well, what's not on the paper, which is the, the lockdown still going on. Yeah, still Although here. It's, it's kind of collapsing on itself at this point. Yeah, it's, it's not nice to go into the shops and uh, that camaraderie is not there anymore, is it? Everyone's just kind of there grasping at all the bottles. And it's mostly, um, it's mostly boomers. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't know how many boomers listen to this program, but it is mostly old people who barrel straight at me down the aisle and make me feel like I'm being chased by a pack of boomers. And it's <laughs> mostly young people who are still wearing masks and respecting social distancing. Mostly, not all of them. But if I, I was to guess, most uh, mostly young people I see respectively. This is very anecdotal for a statistician. Well, I mean... I agree wholeheartedly, to be I, fair. I, I, I can't gather much data because I can't leave the house all that often, can I? That's true. I mean, you could use some binoculars. Just a little piece of paper, tick them off as they go past on their way to Asda. Oh, yes. <laughs> Asda does not sponsor this program. <laughs> we talk a lot about supermarkets. And then in our lockdown bits, it's like, well, we went to the supermarket. Well, that's it's the, the only one place, place we can go to. It's the only place I can go. Like, it's uh, there's a field near where we live, and there's a supermarket, and there's another field, and those are the only places that I've been. Yeah, we could go to the supermarket, or, the we past, could, or we could go and see seven horses. The past 10 weeks. 11 weeks, I think, at this point. Oh, I don't know. But, um, but the thing is, is that it doesn't feel as if there's going to be a day when the government says it's over because the government doesn't have a plan for it to be over because they didn't like really do anything to try and get us out of it also it's just not how pandemics work no it takes a long time to develop medicines yeah in order to make them safe of course i don't know i i just find it really difficult to take seriously anything that comes out of boris johnson's mouth that's fair so i'm i'm not wild about this but in a pandemic what i'm having to do is rely on what my friends say and, and frankly what the opposition is saying not the government because i trust the opposition far more than i trust the government which actually if you look at some polling um that uh, most people trust more people trust what keir starmer has to say about coronavirus than trust boris johnson which i looked at that and i was like yeah i'm not surprised by that no me either that's what i think as well if keir starmer was prime minister during this i would trust what he says because although he wasn't my first choice I know that he is guided by science and he's guided by a sense of empathy for people. And I know 
that he's looking out for ordinary people in doing what he does. He's also, he's also not prolifically, uh, I think it's called dead catting. Like oh, yes, yes. Showing off something ridiculous or saying something ridiculous to distract from terrible policies, which is obviously Tim Tams being the most recent example of this from Boris Johnson. What's a Tim Tam? Oh, my friend, did you not see him? Did you not see? Oh, was that real? I thought that was a Photoshop picture. No, that was real. What's a Tim Tam? A Tim Tam is, from what I hear on the Twitter, an Australian penguin bar. Though apparently that's a contentious thing to say. So please don't at me about Tim Tams. I honestly don't mind. It sounds good. Why was he holding them up? Because he was like, don't worry about us. Don't worry. We're going to have trade partner, Australia. Look, we'll get cheap Tim Tam import. Tim Tams, Tim Tams. And he showed them on screen. Nobody that I have heard of or been around in the... Now, see... Has ever had a Tim Tam, ever. I've never heard of it. Okay, so I'm going to... One of our very good friends is half Australian, so <laughs> I'm oh. pretty sure they have had a Tim Tam. <laughs> well, they've never mentioned it to me. That's true. They've never picked. They've never brought it round. They've never talked about eating one, sitting down with a nice cup of coffee and a. They've Tim never Tam. given you a Tim Tam review. No, no. Oh, but yeah, dead catting Boris Johnson. Keir Starmer doesn't seem to do it. No. Dead catting is effective Very in in uh, distracting the distractible media, but it also makes you just look really. It makes you look really incompetent. Or a dead Tim Tam on the table. Because mm. um, Trump also dead cats a lot. So despite this, um, the numbers aren't looking particularly good for Boris Johnson in terms of his approval with the public, um, which is another chef's kiss moment. Like mm. this month, on average, 42% of voters have approved of his performance and 42% disapprove. So he's finally back to people being like, oh, I remember why I didn't like this guy in the first place now. Because he's an idiot. Ah, he's that person who, you know, he used to be the mayor. He used to say wild, crazy things and then get stuck on a zipline. But actually was quite harmful. The number of people who would always talk about Boris Johnson who never lived in London. And as someone who, who grew oh. up in London during his two terms as mayor, I always looked at these people like, what are you talking about? He is an idiot. He hasn't done anything of note. Everything that he's done policy-wise is something that somebody else has come up with. He's completely antagonized the trade unions, completely unnecessarily, and yet people kept voting for him. And now he's prime minister. Yeah, in summary. We tried to tell him. But yeah, so his approval, net approval's fallen to negative figures for the first time since before the crisis began. Uh, Keir Starmer's approval is 41% approve, 22% disapprove. That's like up one for approved since last month. But that's like a plus 19 approval rating, which, uh, as with last month, is the highest for any Labour leader since 2007. So it's very good. And he's narrowed the gap on who would be the best prime minister. So 41% say Boris Johnson, 33% say Keir Starmer, which might seem like, oh, Boris Johnson still has a big lead. He does seem to have this unshakable 40% who will say they approve of him, will say he's the best PM, will vote for his party. I don't know when that 40% is going to shift. Because they are the kind of people that they don't care about policy. They just go and they vote for the blue <laughs> the blue guy. They're like, the blue guy, yep. What does he do? Do you know? No, I don't. It's just blue. Blue's good, right? Well, I would like to consider the floor for Tory party support to be... 30% because that's the percentage who voted for them in their defeat in 1997 when they got 30% of the vote. Um, and that 30% of the people, I think, will vote Tory 
even if Boris Johnson painted himself like uh, purple, uh, drank like 50 cans of Sprite and ran down Whitehall screaming about how he was a potato. And oh, 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 they would like that. <laughs> They'd be like, that's my mate Boris. They would. That's my mate Boris. Oh, it's like the zip line all over again. He's good for a pint. My mate Boris, he'll come and do Bewilderwood with me. God. He'll, he'd, he, we could see him being on a CBBC's Raven as a contestant. No. Like, he's just my cool mate Boris. They'd love that. No, they would vote for Boris even if he was on live television and just ate a baby. We, we do have a bit of a contrast here between um, Boris Johnson, whose entire brand is... And then Keir Starmer, who is possibly the most boring man alive. That's true. <laughs> I'm not trying I mean, to be mean. Boring and, I mean... <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but, like, there isn't really anything, like... It's not even that he's uncharismatic. Like, he's quite good at speaking in Parliament, but there isn't really anything particularly exciting about him. No, he's just kind of quietly good at things. Yeah, which is... I mean... I am hopeful that after a crisis like this, that a lot more people will be looking for boring. And I think that that is probably true. I mean, it's certainly why Biden's doing well in the United States now. Like Everyone's it, so exhausted. Everyone's so exhausted by Trump that even if you don't like Biden, which I don't, you feel that mm. you have to vote for him to get rid of um, uh, Donald Trump. And there's even a sense of positive appeal, I think, in that lots of people are looking at Trump, contrasting him with boring Biden and saying... This guy was vice president. He was vice president, like, for two terms. There wasn't really any scandals in the Obama administration, at least not ones that most people would consider scandals. Personally, I consider drone strikes scandals, but that's just me. No, so. no, no. The real scandal is about, like, the, the beige suit. The beige suit? Oh, my God, I've forgotten about that. Oh, man. Yeah, but I mean, like... What, what was it? Time. It was that he wore a beige suit to a briefing once instead of a dark suit and that was considered disrespectful yeah uh, but yeah so i think there's a lot of people who are like in america i just want someone who will be a responsible president mm. and there's a sort of i i sort of beginning to feel that way about keir starmer as well in the sense that like in the middle of a crisis you can be pretty sure that keir starmer wouldn't be going on tv holding up packets of biscuits and boasting about trade deals while doctors and nurses are wearing bin liners because he hasn't supplied them with PPE. Like, Keir Starmer wouldn't do that, mm. which is why I never do not understand the people who say that they think Keir Starmer would be worse than Boris Johnson or that they're so indistinguishable as to mean it would be no different. How are they indistinguishable? I don't know. Keir Starmer is about as... Far from Boris Johnson as two very financially comfortable white middle-aged men can be. Yeah, see, now you've run into the problem again, which is that demographically they're quite similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, okay, but if they're both... If they are both... If they are two glasses of milk, Boris is like got glitter in it and sprinkles and probably strong alcohol made from paint thinner. And Keir Starmer's is just like semi-skimmed. He's just a glass of cold He's milk. He's just a glass of milk. Not a warm, cold, not warm. cold, warm milk. Warm just kind milk. of lukewarm, semi-skimmed milk. And that's it. That is my favourite milk, actually. I would have that with cereal. That, you, We've established this, actually. Paige, your milk is not lukewarm. You microwave your milk. There's nothing wrong with having warm milk with cereal, okay? 
I mean, I guess not. Every, each to their own. If this it makes is, you this happy. Is, this is new. Is, are, you, are, you, are you moderating yourself for the radio? Because previously <laughs> you've accused it of being like a terrible food crime. Like when I had ketchup with pasta shapes and you said that was a food crime. I just think if you're going to make dinner, if you're going to spend 15 minutes of your life making yourself a meal, just be kind to yourself. <laughs> I'm very kind to myself. It's <laughs> tasty a food. In it. <laughs> I have plenty of vegetables. Ah, oh dear. That's true. You have a lot of broccoli. I love broccoli. I know. You're a broccoli bean. God. So, um, <laughs> I should circle back, back to politics. I should circle back round to uh, the final uh, bit of the polling roundup, which was uh, voting intention. In March of this year, the Conservatives' estimated seat majority, um, based on polls, would have been 168, um, with them polling an absolute majority of the vote, like over 50%. Uh, and that has been massively, massively cut down to just 12, which is, of course, smaller than the majority they have right now. So while at first it didn't look like Keir Starmer was increasing Labour support to above where it had been in the general election, he's now increased it to that and then vastly above it. So that this month, the Conservatives are on 43%, which is down four points from last month. Labour's on 38%, which is up three, and up five from what it was in the general election. And the, the Lib Dems are on 8%. Mm-hmm. So, so sad. <laughs> and then the SNP on four and Greens four and Brexit pie nothing. Which would reduce the Tories to 331 seats, Labour 235, SNP 51, Lib Dems 9, others 24. And if that sounds familiar to anyone... It's because that is the exact same result as in the 2015 general election. <laughs> Minus a few seats for the SNP and add a few for the Tories. Other than that, it's the exact same result. Which is just like, have, has nothing changed in five years in terms of the balance of opinion? Um, you know what's really wild is looking at the percentages against the seats and realising how absolutely worthwhile seat boundaries are. Yes. Yes, well, that's first past the post... For you. that so it's bad bud i mean in order to and i'm waiting for a poll to come out which it eventually i'm sure will do soon that shows labor ahead by one two points because my seat estimate for that will show labor as having fewer seats than the conservatives because that's how it will shake out mm-hmm. because the first past the post electoral system can often award the most seats to the party that didn't win the popular vote it's what happened in 1951 1974 and uh, a number of elections in the 19th century as well, and in 1929. And uh, the Conservatives have built up such huge majorities that they can have, a, in this case, a five-point lead um, and have a lead of 90 seats, which is just profoundly unfair. And I'm personally in favour of proportional representation. Well, it just seems more democratic. Right now, that's not representative of popular vote at all. No, no. I mean, a lot of people are sceptical about it because it would give the Liberal Democrats effectively the balance of power permanently. Uh, so be it, though. Which, which could be true. I think, uh, based on some estimates I did, it would have given them the balance of power in 2010, 2017, and 2019. 2015, that result was such a complete mess. I don't think anybody could have formed a workable government because UKIP would have had about 80 seats. And even God, and the Conservatives at the time, this was before they went full pro-Brexit, so they were still trying to distance themselves from UKIP because Cameron was PM. So I don't know if he would have formed a coalition with them, so it would have been complete chaos. So 
one thing I wanted to talk about in talking about people with horrible opinions was the Tory party's uh, attack on trans rights, on, on transgender rights. And uh, I know you have some opinions about this. Do you want me to outline what they've done first? or? Uh, so the GRA, from my understanding of the GRA... Yes, so the Gender the, Recognition Act. For yes, from 2004, was it? Early 2000s, yeah. Yeah, so it was extremely progressive for its time and hailed as a big victory. You can find um, pride patchworks. Um, so quilting is very popular in the community. You can find quilts which have patches for that year celebrating the GRA. The problem with the GRA is that it is a product of its time. So it was a victory back in the early 2000s, but it is now, it now causes, it's, we've now progressed to a point with trans rights and with LGBT liberation that the GRA needs to change and grow and move with us and with the times. So what the, what the, Theresa May did was she um, caved under pressure to do a series of surveys to consider reform, like introducing uh, reform to the GRA. Uh, it would involve um, allowing people to self-identify as the gender that they um, are uh, without needing to go to a doctor for um, and a panel of people to basically spend years deciding whether or not a trans woman is a woman. Yeah, currently the cur currently in the system that exists. Uh, you need to demonstrate evidence. You need to evidence to a panel of most likely, overwhelmingly most likely, cisgender judges that you have lived as your chosen gender for a set amount of time. Uh, also, the consultations, this kind of consultation, you can only get um, in a gender identity clinic, and there are very few of them in the country, and their wait times are like three or four years. Like, it's really, really long wait time. Theresa May... Definitely not a bastion of progressiveness, but no. yeah, agreed to do surveys into reforming the GRA. Um, these results have now come back, and we have them right here. Well, it was um, the the consultation that the government mm. did showed seventy percent of respondents in favour of um, the proposals to allow trans people to self-identify as um, as their gender, um, but these were just dismissed by the current government, which I suppose wasn't too surprising. There are a lot of people who seem to believe, particularly in the media, that Boris Johnson is some sort of secret social liberal. There's never been any evidence to support that idea, apart from the fact that, you know, he's a jolly old chap and he's a jolly good fellow and all that, that stuff. But, I mean, this is the guy who said that gay people were like dogs. So this, yeah. is, this is not a progressive man. He's never been. It's still very disappointing, but... I was surprised they didn't say it sooner. I guess they've been a little bit distracted. Part of, I think, their reasoning for it, um, because all the Tories care about is winning and votes, and I think part of the reason for the Labour Party's relative quiet on this, which has been very disappointing, is the assumption that British people are really deeply socially conservative and transphobic, and that if you start going on and off about like trans people, you'll activate some you know, massive, like, cultural hot issue, like in the United States, mm. where everyone will mobilize to vote against trans people. But in this country, that is not the case. It is not something you can animate an electorate on, I think. Um, when asked by YouGov in uh, February this year if a trans woman is a woman, uh, around half of voters said they thought that a trans woman is a woman, and uh, around a third said they disagreed. But women, women 
were far more likely to agree with the statement that trans women are women, 54% who agreed with it and 32% who didn't, whereas it was men who disagreed. 43% agree, 44% disagree. So despite this widespread belief that there are millions of cisgender women who are terrified of transgender women, it is in fact men who are insistent on the idea that trans women are not women and cisgender women who are in fact far more accepting of that well that fact that doesn't surprise me at all it's no men trying to protect women and it's disgusting frankly and they don't speak for me the um there's also been suggestions that the tories plan to restrict trans women's access to toilets another thing they've taken from the united states mm. republican party uh, and but again another issue that despite media uh, furore over it has not really animated people um when they're asked in december last uh, 2018 whether trans women should be allowed to use women's toilets 46% said yes and 30% said no and again women were far more likely to agree that they should be allowed to use women's toilets. 52% agree, 26% disagree. For men, it was 41% uh, agree, 34% disagree. Mm. Um, again, this like, I suppose you could make the case that the Tories think they'll try and animate some very conservative men about this issue. But the truth is those people are voting Tory anyway. Yeah. Because they're awful people. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they are. Oh, God. They're transphobes, which is the same thing. Yeah. But so having discussed that, and I hope having given people some uh, stats that they can use in, in arguments about these issues, when people are like, oh, women are universally terrified about this. And you say, well, actually, no, they're not. Not I'm in the not. slightest. I am not at all concerned about trans women in female spaces. I want them to be there because I want them to feel safe and to not be forced into male spaces where they're in so much danger all the time oh my god being a trans woman is really really hard and very very dangerous and we should be making we should be making every effort we can to try and help them and protect them and invite them into these spaces and make sure they feel like they are part of us because they are they're women i can't i can't i cannot deal with the fact that there are people out there who are looking at an absolutely amazingly vulnerable group of women, like a, such a vulnerable group of women, and they're going, okay, we're going to put you out in the cold. We're going to force you into dangerous spaces. We're going to force you into male prisons. Like, well, that's not protecting women. You're hurting a group of very vulnerable women who need help. Sometimes I, I feel like asking the... Because um, while, as I say, a majority of women in this country are... are friendly to the idea that trans women are, are women there are obviously a substantial minority who are very animated about it and i just sometimes feel like looking at them and being like do you not think the fact that you're forming alliances with you know homophobes and fascists and christian fundamentalist groups do you not think that maybe that's a sign you're doing the wrong thing here like you're going with the people who are seriously unempathetic who don't care about anybody but themselves mm and who hate you in other aspects of your identity, and you're still siding with them, maybe think about the fact, yeah. maybe you're on the wrong side. Check the company you keep. So Always. having hopefully given people some stats to use, I also wanted to take the opportunity to, as I've said on, on Twitter before, to say that 
from my perspective and I know from Paige's perspective as well, yep. there's absolutely no compromise on the question of trans people's rights from our perspective. Trans women are women. They are entitled to use women's spaces. Trans men are men and they are entitled to use men's spaces. Um, and non-binary people are non-binary. And every gender that I know of is valid and welcome in the kind of society that I want to build. And anybody who doesn't agree with that, I think needs to reevaluate their perspective. Um, and anybody who actively tries to enact policy that takes away the rights of trans people is not someone that I consider a political ally, even if they're in the Labour Party or consider themselves on the left. They are not my ally. And I think that it's really good that I've seen a lot of people on the left taking exactly that point of view. Um, and I'm very glad that the people standing in my region for momentum elections have all signed a pledge in favour of trans rights. And I'm, I'm glad to have voted for candidates who signed that. Um, and I would urge other people to only vote for candidates in internal labour elections, momentum elections who have signed pledges for trans rights because I think we should have a red line on that that says no compromise on that question. Trans rights are human rights. Shall we finish off by talking about, well, after that, the poll result of the month, talking about something something light-hearted. <laughs> oh no, I just read ahead. <laughs> a what? I just I just read ahead. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh well, that's that's a little um, light-hearted. It's all taster. good. It's all fun. No, no, I meant I meant the Lib Dem leadership election. Oh, okay. Time to make fun of the Lib Dems. That's my time to make fun of the Lib Dems. It's my favourite section. Yes. Oh, it's mine too. Oh, how fun! That's cute. So by the time this uh, podcast goes out, nominations in the Lib Dem leadership election will have closed. They were initially going to delay it till next year because of COVID, but presumably they were like this lockdown's going on for much longer than we thought. We do a postal ballot anyway. We might as well do it. So they're doing it this year. Um, the candidates, unless one of them's dropped out, uh, are Ed Davey, who is the current co-leader of the Lib Dems, an acting co-leader. Used to be a coalition minister, ran for leader before. Lila Moran, who is the MP for Oxford West and Abingdon. And um, only one poll has been conducted so far. And it showed Ed Davey on 61% and Lila Moran on 29%. Uh, Daisy Cooper scored 11%. She um, subsequently said she wasn't going to stand. So I don't know how much you know about these people. I don't know. I, I recognize the name Ed Davey. I have the image of a political dinosaur when I see Ed Davey. Is he old? He's, he's not that old. Let me try and get a picture of him. He's, is he not that old for a politician or is he not that old for a normal person? I mean, he's 54. I mean, that's pretty old. I'm going to hear this when I'm 54 and be like, wow, thanks me. I think, yeah, uh, hang on. Uh, there he is. Oh, well, he's got a very smooth face for a 54-year-old. He does. Get it, Ed Davey. Oh, good for you. He's... Ed, what moisturizer do you use? It's some, some good skin. Yeah, but no, I mean... Other than his skin, is he a decent person? Ed Davey? No, I don't know much about him. I mean, I Oh, good skin, bad politics? Not from my perspective. I like. Oh. He... But he's so dewy. He has defended austerity. Oh God! Okay. When he ran for the leadership in the, in the bin last year, um, not only that, but he continues to believe that Britain should run a permanent budget surplus. Um, what? What, what's, what is in? What does it mean? Or why? Uh, because he's a liberal, and um, he's one of those liberals who believe in fiscal responsibility. 
Um, I mean, there's a reason they signed up to austerity so readily. There is a. I mean, we're not going to be in the point when we're in a profit financially for, for God, literally a century. Like our our deficit's so massive. What's the point? I'm not saying hemorrhage money. I'm just saying, what's the point of? Tra- there is <laughs> no point. What's the point? What's the point? There are people who are starving and dying right now. Help them. It, it, that sort of policy would um, basically trap us in permanent austerity oh, forever because there's no way you can actually meet that kind of mm. policy without massive swinging cuts to public services more. Oh, I wonder if Ed Davey uh, and his family will, ha- will experience that those cuts if they ever came into power. I would imagine not. Well, I mean, he's... He's an MP. Exactly. So he's so got a stonking salary that no one really needs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ed Davey identifies as a liberal, telling uh, magazine Total Politics, socialism has failed. I think even social democracy is not very convincing. And then he says something about, I don't really understand where the Tories come from, but I think we all know that he, he does. So I personally think that he is going to win, um, which puts me in a, a minority point of view. A lot of people think Lina Moran's going to win because... She's gone around saying, like, a bunch of left-wing policy ideas, like a universal basic income um, and more public spending and sort of disavowing the coalition. I mean, you know the Lib Dems. Do you think that's going to go down well? <sighs> no. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. If I know anything about the Lib Dems is they cannot say sorry. Yeah. Or admit that they were wrong about something. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so funny. For Moran to be going around saying, like, oh, the coalition made mistakes. It's like, oh, oh, boy, that is not a good way to get support from these people. I mean, yes, a lot. Your fellow Lib Dems are going to leave you out in the cold for that. But what's really funny to me, and I've made a note of this, that, like, there's really only two people who can be regarded as senior Lib Dems now. Um, Because of the 11 Lib Dem MPs, one's already been leader, which is Tim Farron. Is that the really old guy, the turtle? No, that was Vince Cable. He's retired. He's not an MP anymore. Ah. Oh, well, I'm glad he's retired. Yeah, he, he, he stuck around for like one he was parliament, one more. He, he lost his seat in 2015, stood again in 2017, became leader, then resigned in 2019. So he basically came back for a two-year parliamentary term and then went off and <laughs> retired. He was there like, Rob's fingers, thank you for the cheeky 60k a year for a couple extra years. Yeah. Um, cheeky, can you imagine making 60k a year? Anyway, that's a, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my saltiness over MP salary. Well, like, Tim Farron's already been leader, so he won't do it again. Four of their MPs have only been MPs for a year or less. Oh, God. Um, so they elected in 2019. Three of them elected in 2019. There's another one who won a by-election, served for about three months, lost her seat, and then came back in 2019. So less than a year, cumulatively. And then four of them have only been MPs for three years, so since 2017. And so that leaves two people... Alistair Carmichael and Ed Davey, who have actually been MPs for longer than, like, three years. Um, and Alistair Carmichael doesn't want to do it, so it's literally just Ed Davey. Alistair Carmichael. Is there, like, um, I've seen that. It's the, it's the cursed throne, and I yeah. do not want it. Because, like, <laughs> the only... And the other people were, like, Vince Cable and Joe Swinson. Joe Swinson lost his seat, and Vince Cable stood down. And the other guy was Tom Brake, who was a Lib Dem MP who lost his seat in 2019. There were a bunch of them who did. Um, Norman Lamb also didn't lose his seat. He stood down. Um, and North Norfolk, his seat was taken by the Tories in 2019. And it's it's just wild to me. Like, this party is really on its last legs. 
they may seem like they have they have more MPs than they did in 2015. But of those MPs, they're all massively inexperienced. They are really new to politics and to the parliamentary party. And they're basically left with just like one guy who would be considered able to do the job of leader by, I think, most Lib Dem members. Obviously, I think that Lina Moran's perfectly qualified to be Lib Dem leader. I don't really want her to be because I think she'd take a bunch of Labour votes. And I don't think she will be, but I think she's perfectly qualified to be. But I don't think... Lib Dems are nothing if not deferential to, like, experience and authority. Which is a weird thing to say, but I think mo- most... It's true of all are. politics. Yeah, I mean, it's probably why Keir Starmer did so well. Because yeah. he's, you know, he Sir looks, Keir Starmer. He quotes, respectable. Yeah. Which but, I hate as a phrase. So I, I, I do not think that uh, Lyda Moran will, will win. Mm. Um, and plus that YouGov poll, YouGov's pretty accurate with party leadership elections, even months in advance. Of course, there may be another poll that changes my mind. Yeah. Lib Dems. I suppose we didn't really make as fun of them as much then. More sort of a level-headed analysis of them. Uh, what's funny about them? Uh, they are collapsing. That's funny. That is funny. Uh, they're kind of walking corpse of a party. That's funny to me. Yeah, these are all thoughts you can kind of pinch from the air and tuck into your pillow to help you sleep at night. Yeah. Like, hmm, yes. Rolls over, tucks, tucks hand under pillow. Hmm, yes, the Lib Dems. <laughs> I totally don't do that. thing is, so... <laughs> Your pillow is padded with the Lib Dems' crushed dreams. <laughs> I hate... I know I know how this sounds. And multiple people have said to me on Twitter, like, Elle, you have some kind of problem with the Lib Dems. Like, <laughs> you, do you have some kind of vendetta? I'm like, absolutely I have a vendetta over the Lib Dems. Are you kidding me? How, yeah, have you... like? Do your followers know how old we are? Me and Ella are the first. We were the first year group to get hiked tuition fees. Yeah. We're going to put... We're going to hate the Lib Dems beyond death. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm be... gonna emerge from my grave every Halloween and scream, "I hate the Lib Dems!" into the sky. I, I'm gonna be like 76 and still shaking my fist at the ghost of Nick Clegg, being like, <laughs> "You damn! I'm still paying off my student debt at the age of 75." <laughs> oh, that's so real. Oh no. Oh, I mean, it's not literally true <laughs> oh, because God. it 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 expires after 30 years so by yeah, that time but... i wouldn't but yeah so people are always like surprised and some people are like oh you should figure them I'm like forgiveness okay this is what i've wanted to say for a while forgiveness is a two-way street mm. right well, forgiveness is earned i cannot forgive the lib dems if they've made no effort to even understand that what they did was wrong mm. all i want is a fucking sorry we screwed up we shouldn't have done it we should have supported Labour or pulled out the coalition halfway through and put Miliband in power because they could have done that at any point over those five years. They didn't like Brown. OK, Brown resigned. After six months, you leave the coalition, put Miliband in power. They could have done it. They never did because they wanted to prove that they could be in government responsibly. Guess what? You fucking proved it. Yeah, now yeah. no one trusts you and they never will again. You were in government responsibly. You were responsible for a lot of really shit things that have turned a lot of young folks against you. Yeah. Like me, uh, you're a 94 as well, aren't you? 1994, baby? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, there's going to be a massive cut of our year group and the year groups that follow who will never, ever vote Lib Dem. And you can lick our boots and you could send us flowers and it won't change our minds. Yeah. You could pay me universal basic income if you got into power, Lady Moran. I'm not going to vote for you. Yeah. And it might sound a little bit short sighted. But at the end of the day, we saw what it meant. Like, I'm a northerner. I saw all the people who didn't go to uni because of that change. Like, I saw that with my own eyes. Like, 
it was unforgivable and it is unforgivable every time every second of the day i'm sure my debt is up there ticking away because i've never earned over the threshold for paying it back because that salary is wow cool good for people who can get there the lib dems have never shown through their actions or their words any sense of contrition for what they did and after joe swinson became leader and blocked corbyn from forming a caretaker government uh, early last late last year that simply reinforced my sincere belief that in a choice between the conservative party and the labor party the liberal democrats no matter who their leader is will always choose the conservative party and I have like Lib Dem friends still who insist to me that that will not happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not a question of what they as Lib Dem members would want to do. It's a question of what their parliamentary leaders will do mm-hmm. in factual reality. And in factual reality, everything that those Lib Dem leaders have done leads me to believe that they would support the Conservatives again. So people ask me, like, if you were in a Lib Dem target seat, would you vote Lib Dem? And my answer is no, because I don't think that there's fundamentally... Um, a difference between the Lib Dems winning the seat and propping up the Tories in government, which is what would happen, and the Tories winning the seat and forming a Tory government. But I will say one thing, one last thing about the Liberals, which is that if we get to that point and they do choose between a Starmer government and a Tory government, they are actually holding the balance of power and they choose Labour, I will happily reevaluate my point of view because I'm not unreasonable. All of my point of view is based off experience here. And if that experience changes, I will change my mind. <sighs> Yeah, sorry. Gonna, we're just going to... Hang on, one sec. Let's just, we're just uh, packing up the soapbox and we're putting it away. As a, a conclusion of this episode, we'll talk about one of my favourite polls of the month, which was a survey from YouGov which asked voters whether or not they thought Britain was racist. And the results were 52% racist, 42% not racist. That's all. The distinction there between racist and actively like not racist, I think is really important to note. Because it's not just saying like, racist or like oh all right it's saying like definitely not racist which that's a really important distinction so interesting interesting mm. interesting obviously young people 18 to 24s 61% say britain's racist 25% say not racist more curious was the fact that amongst over 65s the split was 47% racist 48% not racist because i thought it would have been bigger mm. the other way like you know 70% say not racist or whatever but it was a lot um, closer. I think if you looked at people who were 80 or 75 and older, that is true. you would it, see it then. That but category does contain a lot of people yeah, I think, much I think, older than 65. I think 10 years ago, those numbers would have looked quite different. But mm. obviously the people who are 65 now are pretty much our parents. So it's, yeah, the generations are shifting, is what I would say. They're still not there yet, but... Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, conservative voters think that Britain's not racist. They think Britain's not racist and the empire was great and Churchill was just a swell guy who would help little old ladies cross the oh road. God, Churchill. Don't even get me started on freaking Churchill. That's, that's, maybe that's a special episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's oh. a bonus episode on why Churchill was terrible and you shouldn't praise Lincoln. Here's my 90-minute episode on why Lincoln was a bad dude and Churchill was also a bad dude. Yes, because bad, bad pe- people can do good things. Can do good things. I think it's inarguable that Lincoln was crucial to winning the Civil War and passing the amendment to abolish slavery. But he's also a really bad dude. Yeah. And Churchill was an incredible war leader and probably without him we would not have won the Second World War. He was also a vile man. 
Yeah. Personally. So on that note, we'll say goodbye. 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 And remember, however difficult things are right now for you, the Lib Dems are doing worse. <laughs>